Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Thanks for joining us at the Places Where We Go podcast, where today we're going to take you to Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Utah state capital and the state's most populous city. They have just about 200,000 residents. We've been there three times each. We've been there twice together. Uh-huh. And then I've been there once alone and you've been there once alone. Your right. most recent trip just about a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. So we thought it'd be kind of timely to have a chat about Salt Lake City. So the times that we've been there, there's been a few trips to visit family. You have a brother who lives there. You now have a sister Sister. who's seemingly temporarily living in the area. And then we also have used Salt Lake City as a starting place to start a broader trip to Wyoming. So when we made our trip a little while ago to Grand Teton National Park and Yellowstone National Park, we found it convenient to fly into Salt Lake City and start there. So it's also, for those who aren't going to drive to those places, I think Salt Lake City Airport makes a great place to start that type of a trip. I agree totally. We've also driven there from our home in Ventura County and mostly to see our son who was temporarily living there. So we've had several occasions where we have gone there and seen some of the sites in the area. It is a beautiful city. I think mostly you look at it and you've got mountains, these beautiful, gorgeous mountains on one side, and then you've got the Salt Lake on the other side. Mm -hmm. So it's set in a really nice area. The city itself is a city. Mm -hmm. I mean, but it has some nice areas in it. Yeah. So we thought we'd take today and just kind of share some of the things that we've done in our various trips to Salt Lake City and uh, give you a taste of what you might be able to do if and when you go there. And as we like to do, let's talk a little bit about the history. Salt Lake City was founded in 1847 by some early pioneer settlers. And of course, as most of us know, it was led by Brigham Young, And they were seeking to escape persecution from other areas that they were living in further east of them. The location of this area, and because of its proximity to the Great Salt Lake, the city was originally named Great Salt Lake City. And then in 1868, the word great was dropped. So they just were left with Salt Lake City. It wasn't great anymore. It was just normal. I think it was just too much to say. (laughs) Too many words, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So in Salt Lake City, downtown, probably one of the most predominant sites to see there is Temple Square. Mm -hmm. So take us there, Julie. Temple Square is laid out quite beautifully, actually. And when I was there recently, there is incredible major building going up, going up. Like construction? New construction. And they are really building up that particular area with these brand new buildings. 
that somehow are associated with the Mormon uh, church. So you're going to run into, at this point in time, a lot of construction, a lot of roadblocks, a lot of things that are a little bit harder to drive in. But mostly this Temple Square area is a five-block area, and it's a great walking area. They made it to be more of walkways than driving streets in that area. So it's a fun place to walk around. You get to see the uh, Salt Lake Temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the square is a, probably the most popular visitation destination there. I, I think that's where most people gather and come to. It serves also as the world headquarters for the Mormon church. And therefore, there's a lot of activity within the church itself in that area. The temple itself took 40 years to complete after they had their initial groundbreaking, which is a very long time for a building. But I think that there was some very, very particular plans that had to be met in the construction of the building itself. And I don't know how large this building is. I mean, it looks large, but I don't know really how large it is. Yeah, so that brings up, I guess, one point about the main temple church itself. Is So my understanding is the only people who can enter it are those who are part of the Mormon church. We are not. So the first time that we visited this particular area, we were able to stroll the grounds and there's... There's other buildings you can mm-hmm. enter into, yeah. but not the actual temple. Right. Itself. And we'll talk about one of those, yeah. but yeah, that main building itself off limits. Right. Yeah. Unless you're part of the church. Salt Lake's gridded street system places the Temple Square like smack dab in the middle of this downtown area. So everything was built up around this temple. Therefore, you get this great walking area in that five block area where the temple is. Yeah, and then also what I was reading about is the way that the streets are numbered, the numbering systems going northeast, southwest will indicate how far away from the temple you are. So so I I don't know exactly what the numbering system is, but it's Mm -hmm. something like, you know, street number one, you're one block away from the temple, street number two, Mm -hmm. you're two Mm -hmm. blocks away. Mm -hmm. It's something to that effect. So wherever you are, and I guess if there's numbers on the street, it's going to give you a sense of how far away you are from that central part of Salt Lake City downtown. Another reason to stroll that area is they just keep this area immaculate. They have gardens, they have monuments, they have fountains. There's numerous libraries and museums all around the grounds there. There's free tours of the Temple Square area available to visitors. The Temple Square also has concerts, they have rehearsals, they do recitals. And this is all free to the, the public. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of a really neat area. And therefore, that's why you have all these visitors that come to that area. Yeah, The Temple itself, as we said is considered sacred. So, you know, we as not being Mormons can't enter. But as of uh, January 2020, the Salt Lake Temple and several of the surrounding areas were closed because of this extensive restoration process that I was telling you about that I observed when I went there a couple weeks ago. It looked like they were pretty well into it. And the new building, one in particular that I saw was just it was beautiful. Hmm. 
it had some purpose. I don't know what it is, but it did make it sound like it was like a worldwide library of some sort. So, I mean, it looked like they're doing a lot there right now. Yeah, so we had mentioned that unless you're part of the Mormon church, you can't enter the temple. However, what I was reading about recently is when this renovation that they're working on is completed, which appears to be scheduled for 2024. And if you're interested, you can you know check the web to get the most current information. But apparently before the temple gets, I guess, rededicated and becomes operational again for the Mormon community, it will open to the public at large. So there apparently is a plan mm. for, I'm assuming it's a short period of time where anybody will be able to enter the building. And then after that, it'll be, I'm assuming like rededicated again and then continue for the Mormon community only. So if you ever want to see inside, you know, mark your calendars for somewhere around 2024 and you may have an opportunity to see what we've never seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the rest of us. Now, you mentioned that there are buildings in the square that you can visit. So one of the times that we went there, and this is to visit our son when he was living there, we spent some time around the square. And I and our daughter were able to go into what is called the tabernacle, Mm -hmm. which is not the temple. It's a separate building. And the main reason I went there is because I knew that there was going to be an organ recital So I wanted to hear the organ because I know it's a very famous organ. And it's also a very famous building. So this building was completed in 1875 with the purpose of housing meetings for the LDS Church. And as a work of architecture, it's received a variety of reviews. So Scientific American noted the mechanical difficulties of constructing the roof of this building. Oscar Wilde made the analogy that the building looked like a soup kettle and thought it was the most dreadful looking building he ever saw. (laughs) Some people criticize it as looking like a turtle that has lost its way which has given way to the reference, the Church of the Holy Turtle. But Frank Lloyd Wright, the famous architect, dubbed the tabernacle as one of the architectural masterpieces of the country and perhaps the world. So one of the things that the tabernacle building is known for is its acoustics. And in fact, when you go there, if you get a chance to go inside the tabernacle for one of these organ events, demonstrations, and those usually happen... Every day of the week, I believe at noon, other than on Sundays, I believe they have their public organ recital at 2 p.m. If you're in the city, if you want to hear the instrument, you know, check the schedule. But one of the things that they do there, and I do remember this, they ask everybody to be quiet and the, the docent person drops a pin at one end of this auditorium building and you can hear it from the other end. The acoustics are just that magnificent. And inside, you know, we mentioned the organ. The uh, Salt Lake Tabernacle organ is the focal point of the interior. So this organ that originally was made in 1867 and since rebuilt and modified today has over 11,000 pipes, making it one of the largest pipe organs in the world. And it is an amazing instrument to hear, and especially in that space. It's a great acoustic space, a really neat building. So if you're into architecture, you'd want to see it. If you're into music, you'd want to see it. It's also a building that has hosted 12 U.S. presidents who have spoken there from 
Teddy Roosevelt in 1903 to, I believe, the last president to speak there, at least that I found, was Jimmy Carter in 1978. So the tabernacle could be something else that you add on your list when you're strolling through downtown Salt Lake City. And while we're on churches, Julie... Yeah, another magnificent building in Salt Lake City is the Cathedral of the Madeline. It is a Roman Catholic cathedral in Salt Lake City. Construction on the cathedral began uh, with a land purchase in 1900 and ended nine years later. The cathedral was predominantly Romanesque on the exterior with this Gothic interior on, on the inside of it. It is listed on both the Utah and the National Registers of Historic Places. We've been there together once. Mm-hmm. I've then, been there once alone, and then and, you recently. And then I've been there once alone just a few weeks ago. Honestly, when I walked in, there were certain aspects of it that I remembered. It was mostly the exterior I remembered. But mostly, I was kind of drawing a blank. And I, I started thinking that we had been to another church somewhere in Utah, and it was more of a modern church. Yeah, on our Wyoming trip, we went to uh, like a small local parish. Yeah, so, and I, I think in my head, I was confusing the two because when I walked into this church, I was stunned by the beauty of this architecture on the inside. It was absolutely gorgeous. Reminded me a lot of some of the Western European countries that we have been to with that just ornate, elaborate woodwork and the beautiful paintings on the walls. And it was just absolutely gorgeous. And I know after a while, I kind of was recalling more of this church that when we had gone together. But one thing that I noted the most was I couldn't remember the liturgy on our trip together. And when this liturgy started, it was so different from what you usually see within some of the Catholic churches throughout the United States. It was beautiful. So I enjoyed that immensely. This was a choir mass, and maybe you can kind of fill in the blanks of why this choir was so magnificent. They were children, but you had said there's some school there for music? Yeah, so I don't have the details with me, but I have read in the past that there is a choral school that's hosted by the Cathedral of the Madeline that is one of the one of the most predominant choral institutions in the country. And you know, to your point on your recent trip, and you, you shared with me some video that you happened to have your phone going when the... Uh, procession had started the music that is this was a prelude yeah it was a prelude before mass even started the music that sacred music yeah Yeah. the sacred music program that's put forth at this church it's about the best that you're going to find in a catholic church Mm -hmm. in the united states um you know one other church that comes to mind that i know has a phenomenal program and i don't know if the director there is still peter latana or not but the um the National Basilica in Washington, D.C. It's the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception. Unbelievable mm-hmm. sacred music program. It's This is the kind of music that is supposed to be the model of what we get mm-hmm. at other churches. Mm-hmm. Sadly, we 
do not get what is supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, what one of the, the neat things about this cathedral, unlike the experience we just chatted about for the Mormon church, is anybody can enter. Mm-hmm. So if you're visiting the city, if you want to see the architecture, if you want to see the inside of this cathedral, everybody is welcome to come inside. If you're a practicing Catholic, I would recommend taking time in your schedule to attend mass at this church, mm-hmm. be it on a Sunday, be it on a weekday. Hopefully you'll catch the music. They all, they too have a fantastic pipe mm-hmm. organ mm-hmm. and they have musicians who understand truly the tradition of Catholic sacred music. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing to hear. Also, you will see very significant features of this cathedral. Um, for example, the shrines of charity, this is a shrine to St. Anthony of Padua, and it was carved in 1918, and St. Vincent de Paul, which was carved in 1993, and they symbolize the church's commitment to the poor. The organ, as you mentioned, was absolutely beautiful. The pipes were, I don't know how many pipes they have, but it seems like they have a lot. 4,066. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. It, the sound in the church, I don't know uh, in compared to the tabernacle, but when they were playing the organ in this church, the sound was absolutely stunning. Um, this organ was installed, the current one is was installed in 1992. It's an English style organ, and it stands in a Gothic case. And it's used for both the liturgy that is done there and they have concerts. So that's something you can look into. They have gorgeous stained glass windows. They are among the interiors, most beautiful pieces. They portray classic Catholic themes such as the Annunciation, the Visitation, the Nativity, the Resurrection, the Ascension, and the Descent of the Holy Spirit. Take your time to just look and soak in those beautiful pieces of artwork. They're just gorgeous. And then they have the shrine of St. Mary Magdalene, and she is the patroness saint of the cathedral. Um, This shrine and the large painting above it are the most riveting features of this cathedral, and they look very old. They look like they've been there for quite a long time. And Mary is looking up to Christ, who was painted above her. So those are some of the features that, and much, much more. Mm -hmm. But those are some beautiful features and most significant that you could see there. This cathedral is located, I think, just a few blocks from the Mormon temple. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah, it's you fairly can walk. close, yeah. It's, it's only a couple blocks. Yeah. yeah, you can just walk over. So you can take all that in on an afternoon. Next place we're going to take you to, we're going to depart downtown Salt Lake City shortly and go to what's called Historic 25th Street. And this is up north a bit in the town of Ogden. You and I, I think this was also a place we visited on our Wyoming the mm-hmm. trip where we landed here to go to Wyoming. Mm-hmm. But from the beginning, Ogden's 25th Street has been a bit on the rebellious side. It's often chided as Salt Lake City's devious little sister, <laughs> an area that's been breaking the notions of conservative Utah for more than a century, with nicknames like Notorious 2-Bit Street and Electric Alley. This is a street that's seen a whole bunch of things. Once upon a time, yes, in this... Um, predominantly Mormon area. 
Yes, upright, moral. I think I think there's that kind of stereotype, maybe that people. It have, It is a right? stereotype, yes. and and all in all, I I find that people that practice Mormonism mm-hmm. are very decent, oh, hardworking, wonderful people. Absolutely, that love their families. Yeah, yeah. So but, so they do get that stereotype. Sometimes people do it in a very negative way. Yeah, but those are great qualities. Mm-hmm. You know? Great qualities. But once upon a time. This 25th Street area was home to brothels, political scandals, and the dark ages of gang rivalries so intense that you couldn't walk the three-block length in any kind of safety. But today, 25th Street is a mecca for travelers, art collectors, foodies, outdoor enthusiasts, and it's a place that attracts more than a million people each year. So when you and I visited, we were here on a, I believe it was like a Saturday evening, and uh, we walked past a number of restaurants. There was a number of bars, but most shops had closed pretty early. Mm-hmm. So while we made the decision to visit the area much, much later in the day, if you do want to soak up some of what the stores have to offer, I would suggest planning a trip to the 25th Street area earlier in the day because there's so many places in this area that do close early. On that note, when um, my sister and I had gone to Salt Lake City and we were close to the downtown area, we were looking for a place to eat. And uh, we had difficulty. Most places were closed. Mm. What, what time of the day was that? It was about one o'clock in the afternoon. On a Sunday? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a Sunday thing? It was a little surprising yeah. because I, I didn't expect so many things to be closed. And then there was a mall area and a lot of the shops were closed in that mm. mall area. So I was a little surprised okay. by that. Yeah, I bet it's one of those Sunday type of yeah. observances. Yeah. 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 So... Another thing that the Salt Lake area is known for is its dedication to genealogy. This would be my enthusiastic endeavor. Got interested in it a very long time ago. And the one time that we did go, you had mentioned you had gone, you and our daughter had gone to the tabernacle. Well, I headed off to the library to do a little bit of genealogy research and I found the library was, first of all, it's open to the public. The people that are there working in the library, a lot of them are volunteers, were very happy to sit down with you and um, kind of comb through the information that you were looking for and give you great ideas on how to find it. Try to find pieces of history for you, whether it's through documents or newspapers or any other uh, source that they had, they were just really, really, really helpful. So you really need to go there though, not with a big expanse of, I want to find research on my entire family. I would go there and be very specific with all the information that you've already found and say, I'm looking for this specific family. And that way, when you zero into something, you're going to find the best information possible while you're there. You could spend hours and hours and hours in this library. Mm -hmm. It is just amazing. And I did. I was able to find some information on the Clark side of my family. So that was really helpful. There is a website called Family Search that is operated by uh, the LDS Church. If you just do a Google search on Family Search, 
you'll find it. It's very easy to navigate through it and you could start getting some information through that. The library today is a five floor genealogical research and collection library. That is a lot, a lot of information. So that's going to help you find some personal family discoveries. And as I said, they have tons of volunteers and people there that will help you and assist you in finding your own family research. There are also people that work there that you could actually pay to help you really do a deep dive into your family research if you're really that serious about it. They have classes that they offer that are free or charge to the public, which is amazing. And you can also attend many online courses via you know webinars on how to do family research history. So it's a great resource, especially if you want to get started in genealogy. That, that's a really great place to start. The items in their collection contain information about individuals who lived primarily before 1940. They have over 1.3 million rolls of microfilm, digital images, that number in the billions and that, again, you could find at the website familysearch.org. And a lot of these records are not only based within the states, but they're worldwide. So it's, mm-hmm. it's quite immense. Yeah. So for somebody who has an interest in genealogy, as you do, this is a place that you can include on your Salt Lake City itinerary. Mm-hmm. Hey, so we're going to jump to a couple of places that are within driving distance of Salt Lake City. So not in the city proper, but a couple of places that we've been to that we've really enjoyed. The first one is about 25 miles out of the city, but close enough for a drive on an afternoon. And this is called Antelope Island State Park. And it's the largest of 10 islands that are located within the Great Salt Lake. This particular state park has an area of 42 square miles. If you go there, you're going to find opportunities for hiking, mountain biking, horseback riding. We spent time there just um, you know, admiring the scenery. And there mm-hmm. was like these telescopes situated on various parts of the island where you can look through and look at the wildlife that is there. The island is home to free-ranging bison, mule deer, bighorn sheep, pronghorn, and other desert animals, and just um, millions of birds also congregate the shores of the island. So if you love animals, this is a really neat place to go to. The uh, The name of the island, this was interesting, so the first non-natives to visit the island were John Fremont and Kit Carson, in 1845, and it's said that they shot a pronghorn antelope on the island, and in gratitude for the meat, they named the location Antelope Island, and that has stuck through the present day. A few things to know about if you want to make a visit to the uh, state park here. During warm months, insects are present on the island and apparently are enough of a thing where it's mentioned on the website to call in advance for conditions on insects. Okay, I have something to add for that because um, I had mentioned when I had gone up to Utah to my brother this last recent trip about Antelope Island and he was kind of giving me the, ah, nah, 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 I'm not going there again. Because he had one of those insect experiences. What happened was there's some kind of like, 
He said mosquitoes, but then he kind of said they're mosquito-like. They're kind of some kind of fly. And they will land on you and they're able to inject something that numbs you so you don't know that they're biting you. And then they kind of burrow in and start sucking your blood or whatever they're doing. And he said he had no idea that this was happening. And by the time that they left Antelope Island, he had, he said, hundreds and hundreds of bites on his head. They went into his hair. Oh, my gosh. And it was just on his head. And he said it was the most horrible experience that he's ever had. So... There are things you can do, he said, if you know that this is a possibility, there are insect sprays and things you can do to help to prevent this from happening. But because they weren't aware of it, they had a bad experience. Okay. So see, we're here to help you avoid having those types of experiences. (laughs) So we always recommend listen to what we've done, (laughs) hear about mistakes. So when you plan your trips, you can have a much better time. Yes. But yeah, to that point... The website says, call the visitor center in advance for the insect conditions. And there's Mm -hmm. a perfect example of why. Mm -hmm. You can swim in Great Salt Lake. So the island is kind of right there in the midst of Salt Lake. But it's five times saltier than the ocean. So you need to rinse off and rehydrate your skin if you choose to do that. And there is a modest park entrance fee if you visit Antelope Island State Park. Another great place to go, which I highly recommend, is Park City. It also is the home of the High West Distillery, one of our favorite places to go, I think. And I'm ready and willing to go back again. Wish I could have this this last trip. Yeah, we kind of made a pilgrimage there, huh? (laughs) Oh, it was lovely. It was lovely. So it is about 40 minutes away from uh, Salt Lake City, which is not bad at all. It's a nice, beautiful drive. And there are a couple of locations. We visited the distillery in the town of Wanship. This is American craft whiskey, and it is set within beautiful grounds on this large ranch area. It was just fun. It was a beautiful area. We enjoyed the whiskey. We enjoyed the the atmosphere. We just really had a good time there. Mm -hmm. And there was a tour? Yes, we had a tour. And our driver and our tour guide was Mr. Bill. And I remember that well because we had a Mr. Bill in our lives. So, Mm -hmm. And he drove us up uh, from the parking lot. And he provided a lot of insights about the area during this little short drive up to the distillery itself. So this distillery is on the newer side as far as when they got started. Um, So the tour was was really nice. It was a nice thing to do uh, while we were there. And it was free. And it was about 30 to 40 minutes. We ended up in the tasting room and we sampled three of their whiskeys. There is a fee for sampling the whiskeys, Mm -hmm. but I think it was well worth it. Mm -hmm. They have a a nice gift shop that has all kinds of items in it from shirts and hats and glasses and I'm every, you know, just a bunch of things you could think of. And you do have to make reservations in advance. That's very important. I think this fills up really, really quick. Yeah. And I think this is also one of those areas that do check with the distillery as to when tours are happening, because I know their schedule has 
been modified a bit during the COVID oh, yeah, era. Sure. So, you know, things may be a little bit different. So do check with them. But yeah, highly recommended. And I think, you know, sometimes we talk about, you know, if we had more time when we visit certain places. And one of the things that you could do if you do have more time is just Park City itself. Mm-hmm. You probably spend mm-hmm. a nice afternoon there. There's some neat things to see. I know Park City is known for its skiing that's offered during the winter months. A huge ski resort. Hey, so... Talking about lodging, so as we mentioned, we've stayed there several times. There's been a few trips where we've stayed at your run-of-the-mill Hilton's. We've stayed at the Hilton Garden Inn in Ogden on this recent trip. I think you also stayed at, was it a Hilton? It was a true Hilton. In Ogden. It was in Ogden, yeah, Yeah, not the greatest experience. Yeah, so I have on a work trip to Salt Lake City, I've stayed at the Grand America Hotel, and I think this is also where you and I stayed when we were coming back from our Wyoming mm. trip. So mm-hmm. I would say that that's a, a neat hotel to stay at if you want a location that's central in downtown. It's kind of got good proximity to areas in the downtown areas. It's a good hotel. I would recommend it because I've stayed there twice. Another place I would highly recommend, though, mm-hmm. and especially if you make the trip out to Park City, there's a place there called the Stein Erickson Lodge Deer Valley. And when I think about the dozens and dozens of hotels that you and I have stayed at, plus God knows how many hotels I've stayed at on work trips throughout my life, this place still stands out to me as one of the best quality places I've ever stayed at. It was just a first-rate experience, probably a little more pricey than your typical hotel, but if you want... Well, it's, ex- it's not just a hotel. It's, it's it's a resort. Yeah. And it's the kind of place where they pamper you. Yeah. They make you feel like you're having a splendid time and they're there to make sure that you've got the best stay that you've ever had. Mm-hmm. So I can't say enough good things about the Stein Erickson Lodge Deer Valley in Park City. So that would be a highly recommended place. All right. How about some fun facts, honey? What do you got? More people visit Temple Square annually than they do the five national parks in Utah. So that to me is stunning. That is stunning. Yeah, because when you think about Zion, Bryce, uh, the other three there too, and just the explosion in tourists there. Yeah. Those get a lot, but Temple Square apparently gets more. And if you make the trip to Utah, you can do multi- you can do both. You can go to Salt Lake City and drive out to one of the parks. There you go. Yeah. Another fun fact, according to Kraft Foods, Salt Lake City is responsible for the world's highest jello consumption per capita. Ew. <laughs> this honor is owed no doubt to the fact that jello is a favorite among members of the Mormon Church, apparently. And as such, Utah's Mormon corridor region has often been called the Jello Belt. Hmm. I guess that's the local cuisine there. Yeah, I have a texture thing with Jello. It's not my favorite. Yeah, so hopefully this gives you an idea of several things that you could do if you find yourself in Salt Lake City. If you've never been there, it's uh, an interesting place to visit. There's numerous things to do as we've mentioned. And one more time, if you ever plan a trip to Wyoming, to some of its national parks, especially on the west side, a nice way to get there is by flying into the airport at Salt Lake City. It's it's a nice kind of hub type of place. Mm-hmm. Rent a car, 
experience mm-hmm. a little bit of downtown Salt Lake City and then drive to see the wonders yeah. of Wyoming. Yeah, the airport's been renovated too. It's quite clean and nice. Okay, good to know. Yeah. So, and I know for Salt Lake City, you and I are planning to be back, not to necessarily visit Salt Lake City, but we're going to be driving through it if our summer plans take shape. We've got a few things planned and the uh, Airstream will be making its way through Salt Lake City as we then venture on to points further east. Yep. Yay. I'm excited. So thank you for joining us on this episode of The Places Where We Go. And if you're not subscribing to us yet, if you could just take a minute and hit the subscribe button in the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite source for podcasts, and you can catch up on all our future episodes. We really appreciate it. If you also left us a review, we we enjoy those very much. You can also catch us on YouTube. So our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash C slash the places where we go. And most weeks we have a video up of some recent travels that we've done. We're currently posting our travels that we did to Montana. We're um, getting through things we did in Glacier National Park. So some fun things there. And again, travel experiences we share with you to help you plan your itineraries. You could see what we did and then make a decision about, hey, is this something I'd like to do? So check out the YouTube. And if you check it out, we'd really appreciate it if you hit that subscribe button there too. Thanks again for joining us at the Places Where We Go. If you have any comments or info to share with us, about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.